Good evening, good evening, good to have you all here. It's a little chillier out there today than it has been, but the truth is, uh, you know, we've been spoiled a little bit this season so far, so I uh, can't complain too much. That's exciting. It's good to have you all here. Looking forward to uh, hearing from our teenagers and communion tonight, those kinds of things. If you're visiting for the first time, please stop by the Welcome Center. I don't see any first-timers here. But uh, please do that. And if you're visiting online for the first time, please uh, use that QR code. Let us know that you're out there, and uh, we'll rejoice with you. IFBF Men's Meeting is coming up the week from this Saturday. We'll leave here at 7.30 in the morning, get back here about 3.30 in the afternoon. Lunch is provided. Everything is free for the day. But, guys, if you want to go, this will be teenagers through. Uh, it's a great day, great time of fellowship, usually about 300 or 400 men there. And it's just an exciting time. So if you want to... Uh, to go with us, please let us know. Missions Conference is coming up, uh, Let God Arise. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to ask you again uh, to set those days aside and be at as many of these things as you can possibly be. Uh, we need to be a missions church, right? Knowing what God's doing around the globe and being a part of it. And so uh, it's, it's one thing to just be a part of it because, oh, I sit in church and they talk about the missionaries and I give money. But uh, we really need to be connected, if you can be, so be here and just uh, involve yourself in the missions conference. Pastor Brett will tell us more about it when he gets back next week. And a friendly reminder, please check your boxes, uh, make sure that they're not overrunning with uh, Christmas cards, things like that. And uh, Joe and Hallie Taylor are heading to uh, Chile. Uh, they are asking for uh, acquiring visas. They need visas on top of they've got their passports, Callan. Uh, Callan's passport has arrived, and so they're excited about that. That's a praise, so if you would just continue to uh, pray for them. Travels, they had a great time, it says, here, and Thanksgiving. Got to see all of their family members, and uh, Callan is their little boy, by the way. And so um, if you would just continue to pray for them, I know that they would appreciate it. Let's have the men come, and we're going to take up the evening offering. Good to have Dr. Ruley back with us. He is here tonight and feeling much better, back out of the hospital, so praise the Lord for that. Uh, continue to pray for the other things that we mentioned uh, today. That would be great. Brother Randy, would you ask God's blessing on the offering and on the, cal- on the I'm sorry, the tailors, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much tonight for your love for us. Thank you for Jesus. And Father, we thank you for another great year that you've given us, even though some of our dear family have gone through and are going through deep valleys. And we just lift up each one of them today, tonight and just pray your blessing on them. Just give them comfort and peace and healing. Only that only you can give. Then, Father, we thank you for all of our missionaries. We thank you that they're willing to go and to serve and tell people of Jesus. So we pray for our dear folks down in Chile. Father, I pray that you will just bless their ministry and just meet their every need and encourage their hearts even right now. Then, Father, we just pray your blessing on our service tonight. Thank you for our young people. God bless them for their love for you. And then just bless this offering. Help us, Father, to always use it for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 1 Timothy 1.17 says, Now unto the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Please join me as we sing, Rejoice, the Lord is King. Rejoice, the Lord is King, your Lord and King adore. Rejoice. 
all those things until until the next surgery coming up. So you know, don't forget to keep praying for that. So <laughs> shiny new stamp. Owen and Isaiah also have. Oh, I'm getting there. His hand is up. It is. I just hadn't gotten there yet. Owen, how old are you? Twenty. Wow. I I literally hated turning twenty. I love being a teenager. So. <laughs> and how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? Eight years. And where's Isaiah? There he is over there. Isaiah, how old are you? Sixteen. And how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? Seven years. Amen. Somebody's texting me probably over to Katie. December 24th? Wow, all right. And uh, how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? Eight years. I don't know what, this is from JD saying something about there's a computer glitch. I think we're already aware of that. So, all right. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. What? Oh, let you you want me to do that right now? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, who else? Verse twenty third, twenty. Christmas is like a popular time for babies to be born. Twenty third, twenty fourth, and how long you know the Lord is your Savior? Forty years. So, Rob, and not who are we pointing to now? Kevin. Kevin. All right. 26, 42 years, you know, the Lord is your Savior. Amen. Wow. All right. Anybody else? This was a really busy time to have missed birthdays. Any other anniversaries? So our first year being in this building, do you guys remember we had three weddings in December? I had the ladies so mad at me. They're like, if you ever do this again... But, you know, how do you tell people you they can't get married on the day they want to get married, right? Okay, whatever. But anyway, that was fun. So, uh, but apparently, you and Miss Sue are the only ones that that are here. So, uh, what's the secret to 43 years of marital bliss? Tell a friend that last week he came to the conclusion that all of his problems was due to his bad decisions. And I told him, if you just do what the Bible tells you to do, that helps you make good decisions. And if your wife also does what the Bible says to do, that makes for a long and a very happy marriage. Amen. Very good. Well, Miss Pat, you're the senior on this one, so you got 50 years. So what's the secret to 50 years of marital bliss? Would have been 50 years this year. Wow, that's exciting. Well, I'm sorry that uh, he's not with you, but praise the Lord. Let's sing happy birthversary to all of these uh, people, all right? Happy birthversary to you. Happy birthversary to you. Happy birthversary. God bless you. Happy birthversary to you. All right, Mr. Jonathan.
those of the congregation which are able, please stand for the reading of sacred scripture. The book of the Psalms, Psalm 110, a psalm of David. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. And the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning thou hast the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies. He shall wound the heads over many countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way. Therefore shall he lift up the head. May the Lord prosper his word whereto he sent it. Remain standing. Actually, you can be seated. Uh, I didn't tell them what was happening. Uh, so as you heard, uh, we had winter camp this past weekend, and I'd say we had a great time. Heard uh, five messages from the preacher. He's an evangelist, Andrew Henry. He's a young evangelist, and um, I enjoyed every message, got a lot out of it, and I know the teens did as well. We had a great time. Um, not much was broken, um, thankfully, so, but it was, it was a great time. And so at this time, we're going to have a few testimonies. Uh, from Jaden, Anya, and Michael. So I'm going to turn it over to Jaden. He'll come up, and there he is, and give some testimony. Hello, all. Um, I was exhausted before we went, so I'm exhaust, definitely exhausted now. Um, the speaker was pretty good. Um, one of the messages he spoke about was about how how hard life can be sometimes and how we can endure through it. And um, um, One thing I just want to say to this youth group is that uh, recently it's been pretty difficult um, not having mom here for this Christmas, but... I won't look back on this time as something that was painful because of you guys. I love you guys. Um, I love you all. And an application that we can all take is to think before we speak and before we act because as humans we all have emotional limits and you never know how close someone might be to that limit. And best case scenario, they might just snap. Worst case scenario, they may isolate themselves or end up, on the worst part, committing suicide. And we just don't know. So we have to love each other and be there for each other, regardless of how we feel. So, like, one of the things that kind of stuck out, it wasn't at camp, it was the Wednesday before, uh, David had said, he had taught about this thing, it was, he said, put off, renew, put on. So, like, if you, like, have a sin, like, if you, like, 
Like, for example, like, if someone, like, has trouble cussing, I guess, like, don't just, like, stop the sin, like, because, like, if that's not, like, going to do anything, like, you need to, like, pray about it and stuff. <laughs> and then, um, at camp, he said that, um, Andrew was, like, he, he was talking about, like, thinking, like, if you think faulty thoughts and stuff, like, don't think about it and, like, like, <laughs> should practice this more. Um, don't think about it if it's not, if it hasn't happened yet. Like, if it hasn't happened yet, then don't worry about it. But, like, just, like, pray on the things that have happened and stuff. And, like, replace those thoughts with, like, good thoughts and stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. Hi, this was uh, my last week of winter weekend, so it was a bit sad, but it was a great week. Um, one of the things we do every year are uh, tournaments for pool, carpet ball, um, foosball, ping pong, and uh, air hockey, which um, uh, I was the only teen who actually won one of the tournaments. All the others were sponsors, so <laughs> I was fun. It was it was carpet ball, which I think was arguably the easiest, but it's a win. A win's a win. Um, uh, all the messages were great. I really enjoyed the speaker. He did a great job. Um, but one that I wanted to mention was session four. Um, the end of the session, he talked about, uh, his third point was, I must lead others. And um, it was about being an example. And uh, you're an example, he talked about how you're an example everywhere you go. You might not think it, but at school, church, home, um, just out and about, uh, people are looking at you and watching what you do. And uh, he said that, um, if someone was a follower of you, what would they be following? And uh, that really stuck out to me. Amen. I encourage you to ask the rest of the teenagers how it went, and I'm sure they're glad to tell you about it. Uh, next, we'll begin uh, singing. Uh, My hope is in the Lord, and you can remain uh, seated as we sing. My hope is in the Lord, who gave himself for me, and paid the price of all my sins at Calvary. For me he died, for me he lived, and everlasting life
please stand with me as we sing Worthy of Worship. Worthy of worship, worthy of Welcome, Emmanuel, King who came. 
who will tell me about a situation that you are currently working with someone to bring them to Jesus Christ. Five people I'm looking for. Who will be first? Miss Carol, I'll bring it to you. I was going to have you run it up here, but since you just had a birthday, and I know that you're 18 now. So. <laughs> um, we have a lady in our neighborhood who, um, a few months ago, I well, over a year ago now, uh, was my job in the neighborhood was to deliver a newsletter to her, which was the first time I'd met her. Um, she invited me in because she very seldom has company. And we kind of stirred up a vac- uh, little friendship, I think. And as I, now I have delivered to her the, yesterday the fourth time, I always make sure I deliver hers. Most of them, you just hand them to the people at the door. But I always allow time. I spent two hours with her yesterday. But she had a very horrible tragedy in her young marriage, uh, 17-year-old and her husband were killed in a plane accident. So she's bitter with God. She'll be 92 in March, and she don't want anything to do with God. So I just try to be nice and gain her trust. I know she knows I'm a Christian. Um, and so pray for her. Her name is Jean. And it's not the Jean that lives, that's over here that lives in my neighborhood, okay? Um, so, but I have a real burden for her. Um, she doesn't, she doesn't want to talk about God, but when I mention, oh, God blessed me so much, you know, or something, uh, she doesn't tell, stop me anymore. She used to stop me. Yeah. So. Amen. Praise the Lord. Miss Jean will be glad to know that uh, nobody would mistake her for a 92-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> she feels it today, she says. Anybody else? Miss Charity? Then we'll come to you, Rob. Well, there's a girl that I work with that some of you may have met that's been coming here recently. Her name is April, and she's, I believe, like, the Lord's really working on her heart and working. Like, she comes every Wednesday night just about when she can, when she doesn't have to work. And she just struggles, I think, with the concept of she doesn't have to work her way to salvation just because Catholicism is, like, what her family and really her like you know many Spanish people follow that sort of thing so they just have a hard time grasping you know I don't have to work my way or like that kind of thing so I've just been working with her with that but I think the Lord is really I think she's getting very close to I'm actually working with two co-workers the first one is by the name of Paul and some of you have been praying for him. About a year and a half ago, when I first shared the gospel, he looked me in the eye and he said, I don't believe there is a God. I'm atheistic. Today, he's actually, he thinks there is a God. I say he thinks, he believes, he's, he's seen some things happening. Just really pray for him. Uh, God's really working his heart. And then we have a fairly new coworker. His name is Roy. Uh, I've been sharing the gospel with him. Um, I, I I don't really know where his spiritual position is right now. So, Paul and Roy. Anybody else? Josh? 
I've had a lot of good conversations with a lot of my coworkers at Menards. Um, we don't get to talk often because we're always doing something, and we're salesmen, so we have to we have to keep it moving. But um, one person I'd like you to be in prayer for, in particular, is my assistant manager, Noah. Um, my mom actually, it's kind of funny because my mom actually um, used to babysit their aunt, so it was kind of a weird connection that way. And um, and so he, um, their family used to be in church a lot, and his grandmother actually uh, used to um, give them the gospel all the time. He used to, he was telling me about that when uh, when they gather for Christmas that she'd take them into another room and basically have a Sunday school lesson with them, and um, so he knows. So he knows that you know he's been around this before, but he he's he's not in church, um, and he's kind of I'd say he he's what you would describe as agnostic. So he he doesn't believe there is, and he doesn't believe there isn't. He's kind of on the fence. Um, but he did tell me that he's leaning more towards there is. So I thought that was really good, and I, I've had a lot of good conversations with him. Um, and then one more thing, um, I ran into uh, one of my longtime friends at the gym. Uh, about a couple days ago, uh, he was back from college. It was good to see him, and he said something really interesting to me because um, I actually brought him to TNT when we were in high school, and he made a profession of faith there, but he hasn't really been um, following God. And so he he mentioned to me that uh, recently, when he was you know scrolling through his social media feed, that um, he started seeing he started watching a lot of these videos of this uh, of this uh, apologist. Uh, his name's Cliff. And he was like, you know, he's like, you know, it's really strange. It's like, I, I, it's almost feel, I almost feel like I'm feeling some kind of pull or something. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, that's God getting a hold of your heart, buddy. Amen. So, um, just pray for the, just pray for the guys at Menards. It's, it's, it's uh, I'm a very, I'm a very uh, fearful guy. So, just pray that I can get to them and, and uh, that God will work in their hearts. Amen. Anybody else? I want. John, sorry. <laughs> well, I can't necessarily say I'm working currently because it's been a few weeks since I've seen him, but uh, it's a coworker of mine as well. Uh, his name is Caleb. And uh, kind of like Josh is saying, I work a very uh, touch-and-go type job. So you can't just take five minutes and talk about Christ all the time. But uh, every once in a while, there's moments where you can pierce it in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we joke around a lot. We, we get along pretty well. And I don't even know how we got on it, but I remember he said something along the lines of, I'm afraid to die. And I said, I'm not afraid of death. He said, I know, because you've got God. And I said, well, you can have him too. And a very searching look was on his face. So you guys could pray for him. Um, he's a moral young man, but I don't believe he knows Christ yet. So this is Miss Bonnie. Thank you. A little bit of hand there. It's like, ah, you don't have to be afraid. <laughs> uh, I pray. I don't know Darian too, working, but because it's my youngest son. I have three children, and my youngest is 44. Wonderful young man, uh, wonderful father, and just uh, treats me wonderful. And uh, but I know that's not enough. And he's the only one of my children that have not accepted Christ. Um, I had I've read somewhere that if you don't have um, a good image of a of your earthly father, then it's hard to accept 
the concept of a heavenly father. And um, his father was abusive and um, not a good relationship there. So um, I think that's one of the, the problems. But, so um, I would ask that you would pray for Tyler. So, folks, this is uh, this is what our Christian walk is all about, right? It's it's not the the big moments always. It's it's the willingness to just look for those opportunities to talk to people about Jesus. So, we a few months back uh, went through you know the gospel, and then we went on Sunday nights about things that get in the way of the gospel or us sharing it. And I've been warning you that you know these times are coming. I want to I want to hear. I want to know that. We're actually actually actively doing our job, right? So uh, I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm really not, except that I am trying to um, push you out of the nest a little bit, right? Sometimes that's what you got to do. It's like, okay, it's time to fly, little one, you know? <laughs> and uh, so anyways, that idea, so I, I, without shame and without apology, am asking that you, if you're not already dealing with someone, that you ask God to bring someone into your life that you can focus the gospel on. Um, I'm just convinced. I'm convinced that um, that the church is failing, the church in America anyway, is really failing at this job. Uh, if all of us had one person that we were dealing with, we'd be, you know, the impact would be greater than it is. And not that... We're not making a difference, but the impact be greater than it is. And so we need to be willing to, to you know, to let God just take us out of our comfort zone a little bit and and uh, talk to people. So uh, I'm going to give opportunities here and there Sunday nights. Uh, so you know, for you to just tell us about what the Lord's doing in this area for you of giving opportunities for you to share the gospel. So we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. I'm aware of the time, and I know we've got the communion service coming and all these things, so uh, I'll get us there. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians 11, which, by the way, is the communion chapter, and uh, so that's what we're going to look at tonight. About a year ago, I kind of did a, uh, something similar to tonight. It's going to be a little different tonight, but uh, and I had so many people come up and say, Pastor, we did not know. We did not know. So I'm going to just, one of the things we're going to do tonight, just kind of walk through the communion service a little bit and let you know what it's about, but we're going to look in to two things in particular. Can you guess what those two things might be as we're looking at the communion service? What might those two things be we're going to look at particularly? Yeah, the bread and the juice, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this is all about, right? So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, let's read it, we'll pray, and then we'll uh, jump into this. For I have received the Lord, that which also already delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Father, we ask that you would help us tonight as we come together as a body, gathering around your table, that we would uh, remember, that we would reflect upon what it is that we are uh, honoring and what it is that we're remembering and why it is that we ought to call it often to remembrance. And Father, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a, there's a story. Jesus is uh, dealing with um, 
can't remember if it's a lawyer or a scribe or anyway, he's dealing with somebody. And, uh, you know, the lady comes in and the lady is, is um, a, by definition in the, in the passage, a sinner. And um, the lawyer, Pharisee, whatever, I'm, again, I'm sorry, I can't remember which, what title he's given, uh, is somewhat offended because he literally says something like, if Jesus was who he says he is, he would have known who this woman was and not let her touch him. And uh, so then Jesus looks over and says his name, and, and I can't remember it, and, and says, you know, what, what do you think? I want to say his name was Simon. But what do you think? Was it Simon? That's what I was going to say. What do you think? If, who, who, loves, who loves the most? The one for whom much is forgiven or the one for whom less is forgiven? And he says, well, I was supposed to be the one who for much is forgiven. And then he turns to the woman and, you know, forgives her sin. And uh, it's an amazing statement because he's literally saying, this woman has, and he says, you know, you didn't wash my feet. This woman hasn't stopped washing my feet. You didn't, you know, you didn't make me feel honored and welcome of being here. This woman hasn't stopped doing so. You know, and, and, uh, and he's pointing out that, you know, she is, she is so involved in the worship because much has been forgiven. And um, I want to point this out to us, all right? So in James, he says this. If we offend the law in one point, we are guilty of all. And I want us to catch hold of this. The issue is, and was this, Jesus was not saying to this guy, hey, you should go out and sin more so that you'd love me more. That's not what he's saying. Should, we, should sin abound that grace would much more abound? God forbid. The reality is he has to do nothing to be equally as wicked as the woman who he's looking down his nose at. All he has to do is recognize his own sinful condition. Do you understand? We don't have to do anything to be worse. Uh, and none of us, none of us are worthy of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. None of us. It's when we bring that into perspective, when all of a sudden we recognize just how vile we are. So the Apostle Paul, who was the Pharisee of the Pharisees, the Apostle Paul who was born, you know, circumcised the eighth day, and, who was, and he goes through all of his credentials, the Apostle Paul comes to this conclusion. I am the chief of sinners. How does he get to that conclusion? And it's just, it's our perspective of ourselves. So I want to say, if I want to love Jesus more, I need to see more of what it meant for him to save me. Because I... I and all of us have offended. We've broken the law in more than one point. And all of us are guilty of all of it. So the people that we look at out there and think, oh, you know, there's a reason why they've, they're not saved because, you know, we've never been that bad. When, when we look at people sideways, the reality is standing here in this pulpit, right now, is in the eyes of God a murderer, 
an adulterer, a fornicator. Think of a sin. Because standing here before you is someone who has broken the law in at least one point. And I stand guilty of all of it. And when I recognize that, it drives me to loving Jesus more. And that's what this remembrance is. And this is why God asks us to do this. To bring to remembrance just what it takes to save us. Because the reality is, the murderer who's about to die, uh, you know, a, a, a capital punishment death, who trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, it takes the same blood of Jesus Christ to save him as it does to save us. The same blood of Jesus Christ. It, that's the cost. And so, as we're walking through it, the remembrance is to remember who he is and what that means in reflection of who we are. And then we approach the table that the only reason we're allowed to approach it is because of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It's not because we're good people. It's not because we live better than other people. It's not because we were born in the right family. It's not because we have a certain status in our, in, in our social sphere here. None of that. None of it matters. One thing makes it possible for us to do this. And that is that the body and the blood of Jesus Christ was given for us. And we're to bring that into remembrance. And so as we're approaching this table, that's really where it all comes down to. So I'm going to walk through a couple things. Then we're going to talk about the body and the blood. And, and uh, then we're going to get into the, the, the Lord's table in just a moment. Uh, but uh, one of the things I want to point out is uh, this was something that I mentioned a few a year ago or so, and uh, I just didn't. I you know you take for granted that people know certain things about all of these things, but uh, I want to make you aware that the table that we set up, not necessarily the table like was set up for Christ. I'm aware that that was the Passover at that time, so the Passover was set up, and then Jesus takes the bread and Jesus takes the the juice and and he uses that Passover meal to remind, uh, represent himself and to remind uh, us to do so. But all of this is done for on purpose, all right? So uh, there's, there's a cloth over the top of all of this, and under is what is representing the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and that cloth on top, which will, in just a few minutes, uh, you know, men will come down, and they'll take the time publicly to fold that cloth, and set it aside, and you know the reason. It's just a reminder. What is the reason? Maybe you know the reason. <laughs> so, yeah, the grave clothes, right? It's the grave clothes. Remember how that uh, they came in and they found, you know, the grave clothes folded and set aside. There, there was a, a, it's a statement that's there, and so, uh, you know, Whenever it started, I don't, and that's a tradition. It's not something that the Bible requires us to do. I'm just telling you honestly. But it's still done on a purpose so that it reminds us of something, and it reminds us of the death of Jesus Christ, all right? Uh, the bread is that nasty, you know, dry stuff, and I know I've, you, you would be shocked if you knew how many times people 
offer to find better tasting bread for us. You know, Pastor, I can, we can get you some better stuff than that. I've got a baker friend, but whatever. You know, I, and, and but the reality is, the bread is on purpose, right? It is unleavened. It's it's made on purpose with with no leaven in it, because leaven in the scripture represents sin. And a little little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, right? Remember that is its reference there. And so, on purpose, it's that unleavened bread. It's on purpose in the Bible. That is Bible. It's on purpose in the Bible. It's on purpose the way we do it. So chances are, whatever you come up with in the idea of unleavened bread and salt as a leavening agent so it doesn't have any of that in it, it's just going to be bland. That's what it's going to be. But the reality is, this chapter right here tells us that we're not supposed to treat this like a snack. Uh, listen to 1 Corinthians 11.34. says, And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. You're not gathering around this table... For a snack. Do you understand? That's not what this is all about. So if you're hungry, go go home and eat. Uh, it, it, this is not what the purpose of this is. Is remembrance, and it's not to to fulfill our hunger. It, it's not to tie us over till we get home and have a bowl of cereal. It, it, that's not what it's about, right? It is literally about a remembrance. And so, uh, you know, we did it on purpose. There is a there's a juice that is used for the, for the, uh, to represent the blood of Jesus Christ. And in the scripture, uh, this grape juice represents what? Christ's blood, but other ways that it's represented. Anybody know? The Holy Spirit, joy. There's all kinds of things that are there, right? It's, it's represented what the blood of Jesus Christ brings to us and and uh, so it's, it's just a constant reminder, a constant reminder. I don't know if you've ever noticed, uh, but we're careful to do this. So the men will take and they'll serve the elements to you. And then when they come back up, they stand there again. And I, I'll take each one's tray or whatever it is. And then we go back and I serve each individual man that's up here. And then the last man... You ever notice? Does something else. He serves me, right? So he'll take the the platter, or he'll take the, you know, the tray, and then I take because why? Because Christ served, and I'm not Jesus. You understand? We're we're all served. We're all served. We're all participants of this. It's not like, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I, there's no significance to my role in this. We're all, we're all gathering around the table of Jesus Christ. And, and it's all about what he's done. It's not about what your church does, not about what your pastor does. It's all about what he's done. We're calling in remembrance what Jesus has done. And everyone was served at the table by Jesus. And so as we gather, everyone is served. And no one's necessarily doing the serving. You understand? Everyone is served. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of things represented in this, and it's all, it's all geared toward bringing us to one thought, and that is to remember these things about the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So uh, because I'm running out of time, let me uh, read to you some other passages. In Hebrews chapter 10, talking about the body of Christ, it says, by the which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ 
Let me know what the next three words are in that verse, by any chance. Once for all. His body is offered one time, and that is for everyone. It's a once for all. He's going through the story in, in Hebrews, reminding us that in the Old Testament, they would come once a year and make an offering, once a year and make an offering, once a year and make an offering. And then Jesus, then in Hebrews, it reminds us too that before the priest would offer the offering for the people, he would offer an offering for himself. Why? Because the priest was in the same condition as the people, in need of a Savior. But Jesus is a once for all. You understand how this works? Jesus died. That's why, by the way, when Moses hit the rock the second time, it meant something. And God was made angry. Because Jesus is stricken for us once. And after that, all we have to do is say, Lord, can I have a drink? And the water begins to flow. Right? Just come to me. And whosoever will drink of this water will never thirst again. And we just come to the Lord. But Moses got frustrated, remember? And he hit the rock the second time. And God said, Moses, you're not going to get to go in the promised land. I'll let you see it. You can get up on the mountain and see it. But the people are going to go without you. Wow. Now Moses wasn't kept out of heaven because the promised land is not heaven. Remember? But that's another story. So, um, but anyway, so it, it's that once for all. It's, and verse 11 says, And every, every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God, because his one sacrifice is complete. We struggle. By the way, this is, this is why we stand so firmly on a once you are saved, you are always saved concept. Because the blood of Jesus Christ is not so weak that we can be pulled out of the Father's hand. He did this once, and then he sat down on the right hand of the Father because his sacrifice was complete. Uh, In dealing with the blood, still in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6 says, Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God, but into the second tabernacle went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. In the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way of the, into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect. They could not do this, right? This thing that the... That the uh, that these priests went through, it could not make them as pertaining to the conscience, which only stood in the meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal, uh, carnal ordinances. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in. Can I know the next word? Once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us. It is a once offering. And folks, in this equation, we ought not to be like the Pharisee. We've got to see ourselves 
as the woman. And we have reason to gather around this table with great thanksgiving. Because Christ has one time made us a sacrifice that was complete and took, in verse 14 it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Verse 22 says, And without the shedding of blood there is no remission for sin. Right? For it is not possible, chapter 10 and verse 4 says, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats and of, uh, of bulls and of goats should take away sins. It requires the blood of Jesus Christ. So we gather as a body around His table to remember, to remember what it is that makes us worthy to be here, not to be in this room, to be here around His table. So our church practices what is known as Close communion. Open communion says anybody and everybody's invited. Not our table. We don't do the inviting. It's Jesus' table. And he invites all those who have a relationship with him. Closed communion would say you have to be a member of Southeast Baptist Tabernacle. And I say again, not our table. It's Jesus' table. So we don't close it to Southeast Baptist Tabernacle members only. That doesn't make sense. It's not our table. But close communion means that we need to be made worthy by the blood and the broken body of Jesus Christ. And we gather to remember and then in remembrance to partake. And I could think of no better way to prepare ourselves for a new year than right here. On our knees before the only one worthy. And uh, so... We'll, uh, we'll start uh, getting ourselves uh, through this and, and here, as we uh, get ready for the table, guys, so you can start getting yourselves ready. It says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you. So, you know, as the Apostle Paul is writing out the 